Well, as we enter June every year, we also get to enter graduation season. Very exciting time for families as we walk through that. You know, we do a variety of things here at our church. On, on Thursday, this past Thursday night, we got together our, our graduating seniors, our parents, and had a nice dinner and fellowship and just got to celebrate that accomplishment, pray over them, hopefully pass off a blessing. And of course, in the next service, one of our three services this morning, we're we're going to be acknowledging our seniors. You see the bulletin there or the insert inside your bulletin. And I imagine some of you are going to be heading maybe to a baccalaureate service at one of the local high schools today. And then if you're really blessed, you get to head down to the Siegel Center sometime this week. Uh, I've, I've done that twice now, four years ago, last year. And uh, I just, I pray for you a five o'clock graduation that you you get to make your way to downtown Richmond about four o'clock and try to work that out. But uh, man, it is such an incredibly exciting time uh, as we come across graduation. Uh, you know, it's a time where you've got this major accomplishment behind you. You, you close the, the first big chapter in life. And now out in front of you, you get ready to write the next big chapter. We, we call it the rest of your life. Man, that's a big chapter, isn't it? And as you look at that, man, it's just wide open. I mean, there's dreams, there's what are we going to be and what are we going to do and where are we going to go? It's just such an exciting time. Of course, now this excitement can get laced a little bit with sheer terror. Sometimes we wonder in this next step, like, uh, who's going to pay for it? Is it going to work? Man, we've made a decision about going to this school or we've made a decision to take this job. How, how's that going to work out? Is that going to be good for us? Who's our roommate going to be? All kinds of big questions. And man, we want them to go well. We want things to work out. And you know, when we have these new chapters, new, new chapters have unknowns. And unknowns can be unsettling. Well, we've got kind of a big unknown entering our family uh, this week, something we've never had as a part of our family. We've, we've got a wedding this Saturday. Our oldest is going to be getting married. And man, we're excited about that. We love Kevin, uh, Mary Beth's fiance, and I've had great opportunity to get to, to know him. We're excited about him becoming a part of our family. And, and like a graduation, you can know these things you're excited about, but then there's, there's these unknowns. How does that work out? Will that be good for them? Boy, you sure want it to, don't you? And, and it's a change for our family. I mean, Mary Beth now is going to be a part of another family on one respect. And, and then she's starting a family on another respect. And then what's that mean to our family? I know I'm losing a tax deduction. That doesn't sound so good. <laughs> you know, so there, there's all these unknowns as we go into these new chapters of life. Boy, that's when you really want to know, hey, what's the key to making this work? Because we want them to succeed, don't we? We want them to succeed. We want us to succeed. How's this going to work? What's the, the key to bringing it all together? The good news, folks, is we've got a God who wants it to work for us. We, we've got a God who, who wants that to succeed. You know, there's a handful of passages in the Bible that, that kind of have this key to life sound to them that kind of have this secret to everything kind of ring to it and and we're going to look at one of those passages today for the graduates and for my daughter and and for me I want to know how to navigate this how do you navigate these moments 
so that they are successful. So let's look at one of these passages today. I'm looking at Matthew chapter 6. Turn there in your Bible now. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 25 to 34. Now Matthew 6 is strategically located between Matthew 5 and Matthew 7. That should help some of y'all. Now Matthew 5, 6, and 7, these three chapters give us what is called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, It's one of the longest sermons, uh, or it is the longest recorded sermon of Jesus. It's one of the longest sermons in the Bible. And and it is a sermon that almost touches on just about everything. I mean, it talks about marriage and about finances and about goals and priorities. I mean, it, it covers everything. And of course, right in the middle of that, since it's covering everything, it says, here's the key to everything. Man, here is the key to making life work. Let's see what Jesus gives to us today. Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 25. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious. That's a command. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Instead, but seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Well, folks, I'm not going to do any big build up this morning. We're just going to get right to it. Here it is, the key to life, the key to everything. Focus on God. Get your eyes focused directly on Him. Use your Bible, use prayer, use your church, use the the Holy Spirit. Use everything you can to get your mind completely absorbed, completely preoccupied with God. Think about what your life is like when you're preoccupied with something. Man, it's there all the time. You're thinking about it all the time. You're, you're working on it all the time. Usually what our mind's preoccupied with, it's there automatically. We don't wake up and say, you know what? Today my mind's going to be preoccupied with this. No, it, it's just right there. Well, folks, we want to get our mind to a place where it's preoccupied on God. And Jesus in Matthew 6.33 kind of defines for us what my mind is doing. What my mind is thinking, what a, what a mind preoccupied on God looks like. And he, he says the first thing, let your mind be completely preoccupied with what your life would look like if you had a king in it. What, what would your next decision be if the king spoke to this? How, how would you act that shows the rule of a king in your life? Because you see folks, when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, he's saying, seek that place where there is a 
What's in a kingdom? King. king, that's right. Every kingdom has a king. Seek that place where there's a king. Your king. And where you live in total submission to him. So what I'm doing today, this week, whether I've got in front of me a big week, big unknown chapters about to be written, or maybe I'm just entering, best I can tell, kind of a ho-hum, going to do what I do every week, week. And in any kind of week, whatever I do, I am seeking that word. I'm seeking that action. I'm seeking that place that clearly demonstrates that there's a king in my life. That, that demonstrates that I live under a king. And perhaps by my doing that, his kingdom rule not only comes into my life, but maybe flows through my life into my home or into the school place or into the workplace. And his kingdom rule enters those places. Now, when I say, when we say that we're preoccupied with this, that means that's what we're thinking about all the time. All the time I'm thinking about, all the time I'm praying about, all the time I'm working on, what does it look like when I live life under a king? That's what we're seeking to get to. And Jesus says, and that's not all. Let's add one other thing to it. Let's seek a mind that is completely preoccupied with living in right standing with God. I think the idea here, folks, is that we just never get over being completely amazed that we live in right standing with God. Are you still amazed by that? I mean, we have good weeks and we have bad weeks, right? But man, no matter what kind of week is going on, I live in right standing with God because of what Jesus Christ did for me. And that right standing should be a source of joy. It should be a source of gratitude, a a, a place of strength, a, a, a place of hope. And and with a mind completely preoccupied on the right standing that I have with God, well then I want every area of my life to demonstrate what it means that I have right standing with God. I want my words. I want my actions. I want what I think about, what I pray about. I want everything I'm doing to demonstrate how awesome it is that I get to be in right standing with God. And perhaps, maybe through that, some others come into right standing with God. So, so Jesus says, Randy, here, here's the key to everything. Key to the big week, a key to the little week, key to a big day, key to a little day. Focus on God. Focus on what it would look like if you were living under His rule. Focus on what it looks like when you live in the joy of being in right standing with Him. Let your life demonstrate that. And as you do that, as I do that, you know what Jesus says? God will come in and just take care of everything else. He'll just come in. He'll put together that unknown. He'll put together that schedule. He'll, he'll help you walk through and deal with that enemy, that problem, that, that difficult situation. You just focus on that. God says, and I got all the rest covered. I mean, that's what a lot of us believe. That's what a lot of us want to believe. That's why we're here today, right? Man, I believe this, except that I don't. I mean, that doesn't make sense. I mean, we believe this. This is our faith and our hope. Except that it's not. What are you trying to say? Yeah, I don't know either. (laughs) I mean, guys, figure this out. As a matter of fact, I bet if we we went through the room right now and did a survey. How many of you believe that God is all-powerful? In control of everything. And in that power and in that control is working in your life, working in this world for good. Man, I bet if we took a survey like that in this room right now this morning, I bet we'd be, we'd be 75, 80%, wouldn't we? 
maybe higher, that would say, yes, that's absolutely what I believe. And yet, 100% of us worry. 100%. Most of us, if not close to all of us, but God's in control and is working for good, and yet 100% of us worry. As a matter of fact, worry is automatic, isn't it? I mean, it's not like you and I ever wake up one morning and say, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm just going to put on a worry fest. I mean, I'm just going to worry until I throw up. No, we, we don't ever wake up and say today. No, it's just automatic. As a matter of fact, it's so automatic. It is so natural to how you and I live. We don't even think about confessing this as a sin before the Lord. Even though you just heard it. Jesus commanded you and me, don't be anxious, don't be stressed out, don't be worried. We don't, even, we don't even think of it as a sin. We don't even confess it as a sin. I mean, okay, God, why don't you command me not to breathe too? But you know, it's, it's out of love that he tells us that, isn't it? You know, I wonder, is there any activity under the sun that you and I spend more time at that never has borne anything good? Worry fixes nothing. I mean, you talk about a bad batting average. Not once has your act of worrying made anything better. On the other hand, it's made many things worse. Because it drains you and me of, of spiritual and physical energy. Some of us have been known in the midst of our worry to get a little grumpy. I mean, I, it's what I've heard. It's what I've heard. It fixes nothing. And often makes things worse. You know, Matthew, or, or, uh, worry is the exact opposite of Matthew 6.33. M- Matthew 6.33, that's the key to life. That's God's will for you. That's what he has for you. And when you and I worry, what we do is we place ourselves in the exact opposite of God's will for us. Because see, what happens is now we let the events of our life and let's be honest, our events are made up of some good, awesome, wonderful things and They're made up of some not so good things and sometimes our life is made up of some really ugly things. But what happens in worry is now the events of my life, instead of being a place that demonstrates a king and a savior, instead of the events of my life being an opportunity to show how God rules in my life and that even in this thing my strength and my hope is the right standing with God, instead of life's events being used to demonstrate that to a watching world, my life ends up demonstrating that there is no God. There is no God at all. Or if there is, He obviously doesn't have a clue what is going on because that's the testimony that worry puts me in. And not only does my life through worry begin to to demonstrate and communicate that, but then it puts me as a roadblock right in the center, right in the way of what God wants to be and what God wants to do. It puts me in the way of His promise right here. Now, why in the world would we do that? You know, a word I've used a number of times this morning already is that word preoccupied. Have you heard me say that? We're to be preoccupied. We're to be thinking all the time on what God's rule looks like in our life and coming through our life. We're to be thinking all the time about about our Savior and the right standing that we have with Him and what this looks like, how my life demonstrates this Savior and this King. And we believe that. I mean, many of you, if not almost all of us, we believe that. That is my faith. That's what I believe. That's what I think about in church but then we get preoccupied 
where our mind goes and where our mind really anchors down into thinking is that credit card bill. We, we, our, our mind gets anchored down in that, that schedule, that, that question, that problem that seems to have no answer. Who are roommates going to be? And, and we just get absorbed thinking about that and that, that becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and then what begins to happen is that thing that we're really preoccupied with becomes bigger than God to us. And we don't want that to be the case. I mean, that's why we come to church, right? I mean, singing praise songs helps a little bit. Man, reading the Bible, praying, that, yeah, makes some difference. We, we want it to make a difference, but then we, we charge back out there and then all of a sudden we're preoccupied, we're consumed with how big that issue is in our life. You know, folks, Jesus is not saying that that problem's not real. He's not saying here that, that, that the bill's not real, that the question that doesn't seem to have an answer is not real, that that enemy, that the difficulty in that relationship, he's not saying those things aren't real. What he's saying is that through worry, you end up letting that thing become bigger than God and you start living as if there is no God. That's what he's saying in verse 32. When he says you're living like Gentiles, Jesus is speaking to believers here. Hey, hey, you believers, the ones who follow me, you and I, we're, we're living like people who have no God. And Jesus isn't saying that that issue, that thing is not real. He's just trying to say, hey, God is just as real. God is just as big. And more importantly, he is bigger to the solution than your worry. See, our worry just puts us in the way. Our worry leaves me as the only solution. And so I come to the table with my limited resources, my limited power, my limited wisdom, most of it used imperfectly. And I stand in the way of God who wants to bring His perfect, unlimited resources, unlimited power, un unlimited wisdom. And, and God wants to get us out of the way too so He can come in and do this in our lives. And so he comes over and he says, okay, Randy, he grabs me by the shoulders because I don't always move very easily. And he says, come stand right here. And Randy, here's what I want you to do. You just focus on what my rule looks like in your life. That's what I want you thinking about and praying about and working on. When you got it figured out, then you let that be your next word. You let that be your next step. You just focus on my rule in your life. And while you're doing that, enjoy the right standing that you have with me. Think about how that right standing is demonstrated. You got it? You just stay there and stare at that. I'm going to go over here and work on all this. Randy, you're, not, you're, you're back over there. Keep focusing over there. Don't look over here. I got all this. I want to bring all this together for you. I want to make it work. I want it to succeed for you also. Randy, you're looking over here again. Keep, over there, remember? Just stay focused. Folks, when Jesus says this, he's not telling you and I to do nothing. I mean, the birds of the air here, they work, don't they? The birds build a nest. Apparently, they get up early and get worms. I don't know, but that's what I've heard. Yeah, the birds are doing something. We're doing something too. Yes, I'm going to go into this and I'm going to work on the bill. I'm going to work on the problem. I'm going to deal with that enemy. I'm going to work on that question that has no answers. But now, instead of focused on what I'm going to be and doing that, I'm just focused on God and how His rule comes through this and how the right standing I have with Him comes through this. I'm going to stay focused on that. And, and I think a lot of us in here, we want to do that. As a matter of fact, I would, 
I guess some of us in here would say, you know what, I tried that, it didn't work. I tried that trusting, focusing on God. I came, sang him and said a prayer and it it didn't make any difference this week. Let me ask you a question. Were you worrying? Well, of course I was worrying. Then you weren't trusting. You see, folks, you can't worry and trust at the same time. They're exact opposites. Worry is is the warning light on the dashboard of your life. It's blinking and you know what it's telling you? You are not doing what you think you're doing. You're not trusting. Yes, I am. I went to church today. No, you're not. You're worrying. You cannot worry and trust at the same time. Worry should be the loud, obnoxious alarm going off in our life. (laughs) Telling you, you have let your physical realities get bigger than God refocus get focused back on his rule and his righteousness in your life you know folks when when, when i call worry a sin let me back up and correct that to have the emotion of worry hit you is not a sin you're not in control of that coming in and hitting you sitting down and stewing in it is a sin sitting down and living in that worry Voicing that worry, acting on that worry, that sin. But when it hits you, see it as the warning light. Ah, that's the emotion of worry. I know what that means. That means I see my physical issues as bigger than God. So I've got to stop right now what I'm doing and get focused on His rule and His righteousness. And when we do that, folks... Man, something like Psalm 112 verse 7 begins to describe us. Are you familiar with that verse? It's an incredible verse. Psalm 112 verse 7, For the righteous will not be moved. How would you like a life that is strong, that is steady, that isn't knocked down, that isn't bowled over, that isn't moved? No, the righteous will not be moved. Look at that phrase. He's not afraid of bad news. Do you know a phrase like that existed in the Bible? Is that incredible? Now notice, it doesn't say he'll never receive bad news. It doesn't say that. There can be bad news in the believer's life. But you know what? I'm not afraid of any of it. None of it can touch me. None of it can move me. None of it can take me out. That bad news will just be a place where I live out his rule and his righteousness. My heart will remain firm, trusting in the Lord. So graduates, Mary Beth, me... Trust the Lord. And whatever you do next, if it's the the biggest moment in your life up to this point, or it's just going to be another normal day, kind of mundane, just going to do the next thing, or anywhere in between, whatever you do, do it in a way that demonstrates there's a king in your life. Do it in a way that shows the Savior and the right standing that you have with Him. And then just stand back and watch what he does. Because it's amazing. Let's pray. Father, I'm not sure we can ever say thank you for sin. But Lord, I thank you for the emotion of worry. I thank you that you've put something in my life that is an alarm 
that I'm not really doing what I think I'm doing or I'm not really doing what I want to do. Lord, I've already said it this morning. I would imagine many of us in here, we, man, we say we're trusting in the Lord and we want to trust you, Lord. But what we're actually doing is worrying. What we're actually doing is living like there's no God at all. Lord, I don't want my life to communicate that. I don't want the events of my life to be wasted to communicate to all those around me that there's no God. I want, I want every event, the big ones, the little ones, the exciting ones, the terrifying ones. I want every one of them, God, to be a place where I can demonstrate how awesome and incredible is my King and my Savior. Lord, would you help each of us to kind of dig in and, and literally let our mind get preoccupied with how we flesh out and live out Matthew 6.33. I, I pray there's not anything else in our life in these next seven days that we think about more than your rule and the right standing that you've provided for us. And how we live in a way, talk in a way, make decisions in a way, act in a way that demonstrates that. Oh, Jesus, you're awesome. Just help me live in light of that. And trust that you've got the rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.